This is Emery Guy, and you're listening to Farming on Mars. Hey guys, this is Sierra Ware, and on this week's episode, I talked to Emery Guy, who's a senior plant and soil science student at Texas Tech from Rising Star, where he and his family farm cotton and peanuts. We talked about starting out as a young farmer, his thoughts on the future of farming, and the importance of farming to his family. We had a great conversation about a variety of topics and agronomy and farming, so I hope you all enjoy listening, and let's go ahead and jump into this week's episode. I'm Emery Guy. I'm a senior Senior student in the plant and soil science department at Texas Tech. I uh, grew up in a little town in Rising Star, Texas. Uh, population's like 835, and I graduated with 14 kids in my class. Uh, grew up on a farm there. Was always real involved in FFA, and uh, I guess in later years of my high school, I'd kind of decided that I was going to come back and I wanted to farm. Uh, you know, Mom didn't really give me an option. I had to go get an education and. Because I was uh, involved in FFA, I actually got the chance to be on the judging team at Blinn College in Brenham, Texas. Um, had two years down there, loved it. Um, you know, I didn't really know where I wanted to go when I was first down there, but kind of did some research and just thought the plant and soil science department at Tech was was the fit for me, and I'm sure glad I came up here. It's, it's done me good. And, you know, uh, when I get done up here, I uh, plan on going back home and Farming with my dad and granddad's the thought right now. What are some differences between where you and your family farm and the South Plains? So just like anywhere, we have differences uh, in farming. We have, you know, things that we fight back home that y'all don't fight up here, and y'all fight things that we don't have to fight. And I think, honestly, probably our number one biggest deal is our location, is that we don't have a very good outlet for a lot of our crops that we raise, you know. We uh, pretty heavy in the cotton, pretty heavy in the grass hay, raise some peanuts um, and some wheat. Uh, but just, just for example, uh, depending on where the cotton is on our farm, it may travel up over 100 miles to get to a gin. And you know that's that's something that we kind of have to fight. That a lot of people uh, out west or in other bigger farming communities, you know, that don't have to fight that. And we're really we're too far east to hit the west gens and we're too far west to hit the east gens um and uh, another thing is our soil we're so light soil our cec is really low you know low organic matter uh, something we fight but that does make it good peanut growing and uh i think that's something that uh, you know it used to be big in our area was old peanut land and that's something that's still coming back and still trying to make a rise um and actually, there was a bind point, another bind point uh, reopened real close to home. So I think that's a good, uh, good future anyway for the, for the peanuts in our area. Hopefully, what makes you passionate about farming? It's just something that I, you know, they say it's in your blood, and I really think it, it is uh, something that you have to have a passion for if you're going to do it because it's, you know, just it can be so stressful. It can be, it can be sure trying at times, but. It's just, uh, I guess, uh, being able to to work with your family and work with the people that are around you, surrounding yourself with the good people that really allow it to to be enjoyable. And you know, a deal that I love doing is you learn something every day. It's not a 
it's not something that you you know go show up and you do the exact same job over and over. You're constantly having to constantly having to better yourself, but you know research. You're having to you're having to learn each and every day, and I think that's something that that I enjoy, and it's sure sure different than a lot of other jobs, and it's I guess that's my biggest deal is not only you know I grew up and that was what I always wanted to do, and I always want to be around people that I like you know surrounding myself with good people but you know the learning and and trying new things and seeing what works and seeing what doesn't work and just having the ability to actually go out there and do that is something that's always always intrigued me and it's something that I I want to dive into a little more so what are your thoughts on the future of farming I'm pretty optimistic about it and I don't know if it's because I want to that's what I want to do but it's something that that I certainly have a optimism in uh see the glass half full I guess not half empty and and you know and it it just goes back to to figuring out new ways to be efficient yes it costs it costs a lot and you know um, you have to be efficient with every dollar you put into it Um, but uh just for example you know start with the different varieties that they're coming out with we saw some pretty good things and some new varieties this year uh, that we're certainly excited about Uh, you know we try different different fertility different you know, different just management techniques that I think is uh, is going to help us be efficient um, uh, and help us, you know, prolong this this job or occupation that we do. So again, I you know I'm pretty pretty optimistic with the future of it. I think I think it's something that's always going to be in demand, and it's just we have to go back and figure out uh, how we can manage the crop as efficiently as we possibly can uh, on the years that may be a little lean. You know it everybody's going to have that um but i just think it's it's something that uh that i look forward to is figuring out how to keep making it better i guess what is the soil like where y'all farm you know anywhere from shoot there's probably places that are 60 70 percent sand 75 percent sand we're so we're we're a loamy sand to a f- sandy clay loams our best stuff is it similar uh, we don't have any red in it, really. We have places that are red, but the places that have red dirt in it are usually a little tighter. We're all, I call it blow sugar sand type stuff. It's, you go to the beach, you think you're on the beach. It's, it's deep, deep sand that you'll have a red bottom in it sometimes, but for the most part, you're, you're wide on top. Variable rate would work perfect in our area because I feel like it's, from one end to the other, you're changing it. You know, you're going from good darker ground I mean just as white sand as you can make it and anything in between it's pretty variable pretty variable land what are your and your family's thoughts on soil health and what are some of the ideas that you have for improving your soil as I stated earlier you know we're pretty marginal soils to be farming on and I think that's one thing that when I go back home is to figure out how to improve uh, you know soil health uh, soil quality and in what ways we're doing that. And I heard in an interview actually not too long ago that the past, you know, 30 to 40 years, the commercial fertilizer industry, the as much fertilizer as we've been putting on it, we're actually, you know, uh, sterilizing the soil in a way. We're putting the salts out there, and we're actually influencing the biology in a negative way, the soil biology in a negative way. And while, you know, that may be the cheaper alternative, I don't know that that's the best thing in the long run. Um, you know, and we're still playing around with some tillage practices. Uh, 
Uh, we haven't dove straight into any no-till yet. But I think that's a way that we can start improving some soil structure for our extremely sandy areas. Uh, hopefully, maybe, maybe we continue to try to play with that, figure out how we can, how we can still influence uh, our soil biology in a positive way. Um, maybe kind of start promoting that life a little better with some with some different products here and there. Uh, it's kind of what I want to play around with when I get back, um, and uh, and help help keep increasing our soil organic matter and you know that that's extremely tough for us to do because we have very few days that our soils soil temperatures get low enough for activity to stop and um, that's something that we haven't been able to do is really build organic matter um, the only way that we've anybody in our area and not necessarily us do it uh, you know is adding manure stuff like that's really been the only way that anybody uh, has been able to kind of increase the soil biology, uh, increase the soil organic matter. Um, but over time, that's kind of what I want to want to play around with a little more. And like I said, we're still playing around with some different ideas. Me and my dad kick around some some different tillage ideas about you know minimal till. What 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 we can do as far as uh, that to kind of help improve that structure of the soil. Maybe get some get some more soil bugs in there that help us out. Um, help use what little fertility that we do have in that soil um, and just kind of keep improving the, the overall soil quality, I guess. And I think long-term, it may not pay off in the immediate future, but I think long-term, uh, I think it's a way that we can be a little more efficient, maybe cut down on some fertilizer cost, uh, cut down on some liming, maybe keep our pH a little more neutral level. I think overall that could be a big deal as far as uh, how we could potentially help our area, you know, be more profitable, because we do have to put a lot of fertilizer out if we want to, you know, see any kind of yields. Um, we have to constantly fight the pH where we're at. You know, our sand, it's pretty subject to blow, uh, just like it is out in West Texas. But we're still playing around with some cover crops. We use cover crops pretty heavy in the winter, especially after a peanut rotation. Um, and even after cotton, because it, it does work out pretty good for us. We do run some commercial cows, so it uh, you know it gives us gives us a place to put them in the winter, and maybe we don't have to feed as much. Um, but that's a, we've seen some good things out of that. But we've also seen some things that you know we want to change. And you know I, we I like the idea behind the no-till, uh, or I like ideas behind it. Um, but just like anything else, there's some things. You, you fix one thing, you find another problem that you're going to have to have to combat and have to fight, and whether it be more insect pressure, uh, you know, easier place for those bugs to overwinter, or whatever it may be. You know, you may harbor some some uh, some diseases overwinter. Um, but no-till is something that we haven't been able to dive in, especially with our peanut rotation. We have to, we still have to have some deep plowing every now and then. Um, but it's something that we're going to start trying a little more in our, or I want to start trying a little more in our dry land, and we're playing around with a little more anyway. I want to keep figuring out ways to, you know, increase, like I said earlier, soil biology. Um, and I don't know, you know, you use your different humics and fulvics and, you know, promote, promote field residue and stuff like that. That'll obviously help, but is there ways that you could increase you know, the populations of your communities, uh, stuff like that, in order to, to help free up 
some of that soil, the nutrients that is in the soil. Um, and I heard a, I heard an interview um, that made me think quite a bit. What if we buy, you know, the certain, you know, micro, microbes, you know, in a jug and go spray them? What are those microbes actually native uh, to that particular soil? Are they? Uh, and, it, and he was talking about that, and it actually made me think quite a bit. Um, you know, what are we spraying the right stuff out there? Are we putting the right stuff out there um, as far as that goes? Or are we, you know, are we putting something out there that's going to, you know, kill off beneficial stuff that we already have? Is there a way to test that? Is there a way to figure out what species? Because I don't, I don't know enough about it. And I, something that I look forward to researching a little more is, you know, the different strains uh, in the different types of soils and the different different areas and whether there are certain strains that are common to one area, certain strains are common to, you know, certain soil type and, and figuring out ways to, uh, I guess, isolate that and, you know, come up with a product that, you know, may be able to, to help. I think that's our biggest thing. To make our soil better is, you know... Um, Figuring out ways to to improve to improve soil quality and soil health is I think that's a big part of it. What are some of the difficulties of getting started as a young farmer? Um, as far as young farmers, you know, trying to start from from scratch, I think it's you know it's not impossible, but you're going to have to work real hard at doing it, and it's awful awful hard. Uh, to go up to a landowner and say, this is my first year farming, can I lease your place? You know, that's something that's pretty hard to do. Uh, I fought with that for a while. And, uh, but just the amount of, amount of money it takes to start, I think that's something that a lot of people don't realize. They see all these big tractors, you know, oh, they're making money at the end, you know. Let's rethink things a little bit. But, uh, serious, not a serious note, it, it takes, you know, from from rent cost to seed cost, you know, the equipment costs are outrageous. Um, and uh, you know, I understand there's some, you know, young farmer young farmer loans. There's there's some some sources that you can get a little help with, but you still have to have the knowledge. You still have to have the, or I guess I should I shouldn't say you have to have all the knowledge because um, each year's a learning year, but but you have to have a, you can't be scared to try to learn. Um, you have to be able, it's a lot of money you're throwing out there up front and not knowing if you're going to get that back. I know that's a scary thought for a lot of people. Um, it's it's real difficult to, to try to, um, to start on your own, no matter what you do. And uh, being able to, being able to accumulate, you know, the land to make it enough acres to make it worth your time, I think, is something that that I've tried to figure out. Uh, you know, put a pencil to it takes quite a few acres uh, to make a tractor payment. You know, and and not only that, but you have your your input cost. Well, how are you going to farm all those acres? That's another deal. Where are you going to get, you know, your money to farm from? And I think. You know, I've been fortunate enough to have my foot already in the door to do some of that, and um, that's a battle that, thankfully, I have not had to fight, but it's something that 
that I think about every day is, you know, having enough acres to make payments, but then again having enough money to farm those acres. I think it's kind of a circle that that a lot of people could get lost in pretty quick, I think, honestly. How do you balance your schoolwork during the semester with farming? No, it's it's tough, no doubt about it. And luckily I don't have to do all of it on my own. I have a, you know, my dad's granddad and family, they're there for me if I need it. Um, but it's certainly something that, that uh, it's pretty hard to balance all of it. Um, biggest deal, I bus during the week. That way I can make it work on the weekends is my biggest deal. Um, sometimes that isn't even enough. There's a lot of long days, a lot of long hours. It's pretty hard to make work. I, it's something that's pretty tough to do, pretty tough to juggle. Um, and not only that, but something that I kind of realized, you got the stress of farming on top of the stress of school. That, that'll build up every now and then. And, you know, figuring out a way to to try and make make everything work as best you can and you know put the effort you want in each both of you know in both areas that's something that's pretty tough uh, stay ahead stay that's something that I think you have to do in anything is be one step ahead of the game and no matter and that relates to anything you know uh, be ready for what comes your way that way you can adjust and make it happen I think that's that's been the way that I've been able to kind of balance it out and make it work. Within the last 25 years or so especially, technology and farming has fixed a lot of issues, but it's also created lots of new issues in the long run, like in the case of Roundup Ready crops and the development of weed resistance to that technology. How do you think farmers, and especially young farmers, can integrate other things to ensure farm sustainability in the long run? Things like, you know, Roundup Ready crops, they've certainly made it convenient to people um but at the same time it's just like going back to the you know the commercial fertilizer industry we have to have that but uh too much of anything is not necessarily just the best in my opinion um because both me and you now are at a time where we're kind of seeing that shift where we're seeing a lot of not necessarily negative things out of it but we're seeing a lot of things that probably could have been different to help it in the long run, um, in my opinion. Um, you know, the, the saying anything in moderation is all right, and I think that's probably probably something that holds pretty true here. Um, I think we need to, need to integrate things, you know, more efficiently and, and not necessarily just be um, standing on one foot, um, because we're setting ourselves up to get knocked over pretty hard, I'm afraid. Um, we're seeing a lot of resistance now. Um, what kind of tools are we going to use when, you know, we're having to go back to some of those chemicals that cause a lot of controversy as far as health concerns? What what are we going to do with with that? And you know, what happens if we do if we do keep using that and our fertilizers what what's going to happen and i you know we're we're in a transition state right now i think as far as as far as what we're seeing and there's a lot of different different ideas i know there's a lot of different ideas and and thoughts in my area because you have the guys that the old timer guys 
um, that you know are so deadheaded doing it this way that don't want to think about that. Um, and they have those sayings, you know, or they have those ideas that uh, you know what they, or I guess they have those thoughts about what could be negative. You know what we were able to make this work before, um, and I think something that honestly is kind of hurt a lot of farmers in our area is the the ability of those technologies and i'm not necessarily saying this is negative um but it's something that i've seen is those technologies have allowed farmers to take on more acres so that's you know the guys that are three and four and five hundred acres they can't they aren't able to do that um they aren't able to spend that money they aren't able to use those technologies um and so that the bigger get bigger uh, with this, and it's something that I think needs to be researched quite a bit more, in my opinion. And that's kind of why I want to get back to using using what's in the soil and, and being, you know, finding different different management techniques that that uh, that help us, you know, prolong these prolong these. Uh, Know, these things that have helped us progress so far um, because there is going to be a day we're not going to be able to use some of this anymore um, I'm afraid of and I think we're going to have to go back to some of those older ideas and pull them out of our pull them out of our handbag and keep trying to implement them and and, and figure out ways to integrate that with the technology that we have now in order like I said to keep to keep things going as best as we can I think and, and yeah, I think you're absolutely right that some of those technologies aren't necessarily um, the most beneficial uh, to us in the long run. What's the typical operation size where y'all farm? That's a pretty interesting question, honestly, because like I said earlier, our area, there was a lot of farmers with not just a whole lot of acres. Uh, because back in the peanut days, it was slow and hard to put together a lot of acres. Um, and so that deal got big out west, um, and a lot of people actually moved out west from our area. I can I can think of a handful of guys that around Gaines County that went out to Gaines County from our area. Um, and there's one or two that's came back around our area, um, but the average farm size around us, it's probably not... I'd say it's probably comparable to the guys out west, but at the same time, there's still just not a whole lot of people around there. There's not, we don't have the kind of acres, um, as far as a row crop setting, I'd say the average farm size is pretty close to people out here. Um, there is a lot more, a lot more grass and cattle. Uh, I know the mood sure changed after the peanut quota quit in our area, um, Back in you know late 90s, I know that certainly certainly changed a lot of the attitude, a lot of the people around us, and uh, they switched uh, more to a grass grass hay, you know, or uh, cow calf cattle operation uh, is a big part of what our area is, and there's still quite a few guys, um, smaller guys that are in that, I'd say, um, but for the most part, the people that actually row crop, um, they're they're the ones that are able to able to handle the acres and able to able to to make it happen in our area because like I said we're farming there's some places that are pretty marginal um, 
and you have to be you have to be set up to to take it on the chin one year if you really have to it it's pretty marginal sometimes on the places we farm in our area it's actually kind of tough to put together a lot of acres we're having to go back and figure out you know what places aren't grown up in brush or what aren't in coastal because of when that peanut quota came out everybody just quit farming they didn't think anything else could really could really you know be grown in our area they didn't I don't, I don't want to say closed-minded and, you know, make a lot of people mad, but there was, you know, just a not not a lot of outward thinking. And so we were able to to kind of come back to some of those places, some of those old farmers that are still around that had that land that would make that kept it in decent shape, uh, you know, planted weed or something like that for their cows on it. We were able to kind of get some of that when cotton was, you know, making a comeback in our area. And that's something that we have to fight. I know that's another difference from from us in you know deep west Texas is you know where there's a lot of acres in one spot. We're we're really really scattered out. Um, you know we farm stuff that's thirty to forty five miles west. You know ten to fifteen miles north and ten miles south. So it's from our home base it's something that we have to we have to travel a lot if we want to put together any acres and anybody does in our area just because like i said uh you know breaking out a lot of new ground is the only way that we've been able to really or older ground that hasn't been done in a while hadn't been farmed in a while um and like i said by doing so we're not having to use some of this this new stuff we don't have to fight with some of the resistance stuff we don't have to fight with you know, nematodes are a big problem in our area. We don't have to fight with nematodes. We don't have to. Now, they are a little foul at first, and it takes us a year or two to get them back in shape. Fertility's real low on them, and, you know, weeds are a little hairy, but for the most part, it's it's a easier fix than some of the places we've been farming for a while. That You know, we're seeing some resistance, or we're seeing a really low pH because we didn't take care of it, or, you know, something like that. Um, Things kind of go back to nature on some of those places, and it's it's certainly doable. But you got to hustle a little bit at it. Like we're not having to we're not having to spend near as much on some of those acres sometimes. But then again, sometimes we are. It's kind of a flip flop deal, I guess. But it's a way for us to put together more acres. What's the current state of rural communities where you're from? So rural communities in our area. It actually depends on where you're at, is where the mood is. Um, a big deal, you know, where I'm at, it's numbers in our classes at the high school drop year after year, it seems like, inevitably. Um, you know, and we don't really have a lot of urban development in our area. I guess the biggest uh, town, I guess you'd call it, would be Abilene, you know, and we're an hour away from that. So we don't really have a lot of development in our area. Um, but I do see a lot of people moving out of our area. And one thing that I do see a lot of that we're actually uh, fighting with is, you know, um, people that come down from the Metroplex or come up from Houston, they, they're starting to buy their land in there. And it's not necessarily driving people out, uh, but, but you can, there's a shift in the people, I guess, that's, that's there. Um, there's certainly a shift in, in jobs, um. There's not just a whole lot of a lot of farmers around our area anymore. Um, and back in, uh, you know, when the peanut days were bigger around our area, 
Comanche County was the number one peanut producing county in the state before everything moved out west, and that's just not the case anymore. There's, it seems like there's a lot fewer farmers that are controlling the more, more of the acres or um, cases where it's switched from a row crop setting to uh, more cow-calf operation type deal. And um, just kind of go along with that. You can, you can certainly tell there's a shift in the people uh, within the community, um, we see a don't see near as many agriculture influence rural community. I mean, the the uh, the culture's still there, and it's still a small town community. But at the same time, there's just not as many people there anymore. Um, and whether in the big part of it is, I think there's not a whole lot of jobs in our area. They're having to drive, um, but it's it certainly certainly shifted over a few years. Uh, still think there's plenty of potential in our area, uh, but at the same time, the attitude has changed a little bit, not necessarily in a negative way, it's just shifted a lot from what it, what it has been. What's the breakdown of irrigated and dryland acres where y'all farm? Irrigated stuff in our area, we're really not that big. Um, it's Water's pretty spotty, but we are shallow water. And you know we're way shallower than a lot of guys out here, and we don't have we don't run into the problem of pumping off. We've stayed pretty steady. Uh, I know wells that my dad said he's drilled, and my granddad even have been pumping pretty steady where they're at for for you know several decades now. Um, but like I said, our our water table is extremely shallow, but at the same time, we're pretty variable. We're having to. And we don't have just great water. We're not pumping big time, uh, big time wells. We're having to, we're having to throw together a lot of wells to make it work. And we're only able to, you know, we may only be able to have a 50, 60 acre pivot. It may, we may not be able to have the big pivots, but, but we can, we can throw different wells together. And it, it's cheap water for us, honestly. Uh, we may have a little more upfront drilling the wells, but we don't have, we don't have the big, big pumps in there. We don't have the have the uh, the cost afterwards to get it out of the ground is not near as bad um, but but like I said we don't have just a whole lot whole lot of water in our area um, what is irrigated you know there's some dairy guys that, that grow some corn in our area uh, I'd say that's probably the majority of where uh, what our irrigated row crop stuff is is corn um, and everything else there's some irrigated cotton um, but all our stuff will be uh, either irrigated grass hay or irrigated peanuts. Um, I don't know. We might have most of our stuff. I know the guys around us that farm cotton are all dry land pretty much. They'll have maybe a circle or two of peanut or uh, cotton, but almost all their acres are dry land cotton. It's it's a uh, you know. You talk a lot of different guys have a lot of different ideas about it in our area. You know, they say you got to be pumping X amount of gallons to make it work, and, and I certainly agree with that statement um, because we may be pumping. The guys that are having to throw a lot of wells together, they don't seem to seem to think they're making much money. But if you can if you can put a couple together with that shallow water, I think you're you're still doing all right. And like I said, we. We haven't pumped off, you know, we're, some of those wells have been pumping pretty strong for a lot of years now, and uh, I think that's really our only saving grace for having irrigation around our area, 
just because our shallow water that stays pretty steady uh, year in and year out. And it, we seem to re, we'll see a recharge pretty, pretty good at, if we uh, have a wet wet fall like we did this year. I'll, we're expecting you know wells to be doing pretty good again, uh, even as heavy as we pumped on the past year. Uh, but like I said, I mean I'd say. I'd say well over 60 to 70 percent of our acres are dry land acres. We don't have, if not more, we don't have irrigation like, you know, a lot of guys uh, that have access to the Oglala do out here. We don't have, we don't have near those acres. There's just not a big aquifer around us to, to support that, really. How do you communicate farming to other people who may not have grown up on a farm or may not be as familiar with it? It's kind of a tough deal to really get across to a lot of people I think um, and I, I don't know the best way but to do it certainly but I know like I said our area we don't we still have to show a lot of guys um, and even on ground that that used to be in peanut I know I ran into this problem and I, I think this will answer the question um, here recently hadn't been farmed and knows how many years uh, I actually talked to him about leasing their land and they uh, really didn't know, you know, what what was going on, or or, or you know what was going to happen with that land, and it's it's something that you have to kind of explain. And I think a a lot of people um, really take take the popular opinion, um, and I'd say that's honestly probably against agriculture right now, as far as you know, they're we're hurting everything by spraying this. We're hurting. You know, GMOs, that's a big, you know, that's a big deal. But I try to encourage people. That's where I start is, you know, do you really know what a genetically modified organism is? Um, do you realize that the stuff we're spraying on it now was, is how many times safer than, you know, before we had the capability, when they were actually, you know, the insecticides and everything that they were spraying on our foods back in the, you know, insecticide era, you know, do they realize how dangerous some of those things were? And that's something that I try, that's my biggest deal is trying to get across the, the actual safety of farming. And it's just not us going out there, throwing a bunch of fertilizer down, you know, and spraying it, you know, a handful of times and making something happen. Uh, it's it's more of an integrated approach with us, I think, more. Um, and like you said, it, it's something that's pretty difficult to get across to a lot of people as far as, you know, you go out there, you plow it, you plant it, um, and you harvest it. I think there's a lot more that goes on just than that, um, than just a lot of people see is, is really the management that goes into this, the, the timing of everything. I think that's a big deal, um, you know, as far as when you, when you plow, when you plant, uh, you know, you're your applications, whether it be fertilizer, chemical applications over the top, what you know, irrigation application. There's a lot more um, in-depth things than that really is seen, I guess. And like I said, it's I I try to explain, you know, the the safety of these things. And I try to tell them. I try to get across the the ideas that us is you know young farmers or young agriculturists or whatever it may be um, that we actually put into these ideas. And it's, like I said, it's tough to to try to get that across sometimes as far as what we're doing and, and the reasons behind what we're doing.
What advice do you have for younger people or your peers in the ag industry? Something that that I've always thought has been beneficial to me is engaging in everything you can, listening to everybody that you can listen to. Um, And I think this, you know, this opportunity right right now, me having to talk to people is is a. I think this platform is extremely great for a lot of a lot of different educational purposes. I know I personally. Uh, learn a lot by just listening, uh, watching, engaging people in this industry as far as, you know, what's working and what doesn't. Um, that's that's my biggest deal is it, being able to to figure out new things. And don't be scared to try something. That's what everybody's always told me. If you, if you want to try it, try it. Um, it can go either two ways. You could, you can... You can figure it out if it doesn't work or it's going to work great and you're you're good to go from then on. That's something that my dad's always told me, my mom's always told me, is uh, don't be scared to try it if you think you want to try it. And uh, the way the industry is right now, a lot of people may disagree with that as far as some of the cost and stuff. But it, you know, like I said, it doesn't have to be across all acres. It could be, you know, you have, everybody has their little test plot or test test area that they work with and and I know we're we're always playing around with something. We're we're thinking about what we did last year, uh, and what you know what we could do better next year. What what worked and what didn't. And I think if I could give advice to anybody, is you know like I said, listen, uh, listen, engage in everything you can. Um, don't be scared to try it. If you think you want to try it, try it, and always work hard. You know what you do, no matter. If you're given the opportunity, jump on it and try to make it happen as best you can. What's the importance of agriculture to your family? You know, it's something that, like I said, importance of agriculture. It's it holds a deep place in my heart, and uh, I know it's it runs pretty deep in my family. It's something that it's the only thing I've known. Um, it's the only thing. It's more of a you know, it's it's a way to draw our family closer together I think uh, even though my mom will argue with that sometimes but but I think it's a way that that we can we're outside doing what we love with each other and I guess it's you know the the amount of hard work that we pour into it each year uh, for anybody pours into it each year I think is something that you really have to love your job if you're going to do that um I know it's just important to me as it is is to uh, to my family, and I think it's something that that we can hang our hat on at the end of each day. That you know we've done the best we can um, to try to be the best we can. It's like I said, just you know, it's it's everybody says you know farming is more than just farming; it's a lifestyle, and I think. A farmer, the word farmer encompasses so many more things than just, you know, growing a crop and finishing it out. I think, uh, and I've heard that said more than once, it, it encompasses so many things. Uh, you know, if you're a farmer, you're a farmer. And whether it be, you know, the amount of hard work, the amount of labor, um, the respect that you have for anybody else, you know, the ability to share, the ability to communicate, um, and you know the passion that you have for something that that's something that my dad's always told me if you have a passion for something that you'll find a way to make it work and I think that's certainly something that 
it's kind of been instilled in my head for a long time now. One of the reasons I do what I do, so. And that's it for this week. Thank you so much for listening, and please check back again later this month for another episode about the people of the Plains. I don't know the 